Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast. This is episode 876, a replay episode, my interview with Dan Ariely. Enjoy. Dan, welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast. How are you going? Uh, very well. Thanks for Beginning joining. of the year. It's the beginning of the year. Uh, still hopeful. You know, New Year resolutions have not been broken. All is well. <laughs> you got some New Year's resolutions? Uh, don't don't we all? Uh, I'll I'll certainly be healthier this year. I'll uh, go to sleep in a more regular hour, and I'll certainly exercise much more than I did last year. Okay. So how do you go about? It's probably a good point to start on. But how do you go about setting New Year's resolutions, and how do you decide on which to choose? <clears throat> well, I I do it just as badly as everybody. I'm uh, <laughs> just as over optimistic as everybody. But um, yep. you know, there's a couple of things that. I think social scientists know about resolutions or any decision, and it's about making them concrete. Yeah. Um, so you know, saying saying something general like I'm going to be healthier is so general that you never know if on that day you're healthier or not. So, for example, on the health side, uh, what I've done is I've created a set of rules. Yep. So I said uh, exercising uh, means exercising three times a week. Uh, and every exercise means either an hour of low intensity or half an hour of high intensity. Yep. Um, and then I said no dessert during the week. Okay. And <laughs> uh, no muffins, no croissants, no no nothing cookies. Um, only on the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday and is okay I, for desserts and sweets. That's right. Just the weekend. Yep. Um, you know, there's no reason not to not to enjoy life, right? There's a there's a limit, but if you just say to yourself something like, "I'll do it only one or two days a week," it's likely to be Monday, and then on Wednesday you'll say, "Oh, I'm not sure if I ate something." This. So you know, weekend is a good, it's a good definition. It limits it and so on. Yeah. And then the last thing is, I I have a, a partner in this, so hmm. I I'm doing this deal with my cousin. Okay. Uh, uh, we agree that we're going to report to each other uh, on a weekly basis, right? So if mm. you have a yearly goal, it's a little tough. Yep. But the weekly goal is 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 good size. Yep. And we agree that we're going to report to each other on our weekly goal, and if we fail, uh, the other person gets to pick a punishment for us. Right. <laughs> what sort of punishments might so, they include? So, so we started this um, a year ago, and uh-huh. there's some, you know, nuances and so on. Uh, I had to do Pilates one time when I failed; that was a terrible punishment. <laughs> um, I had to drink uh, for a whole week. I had to drink like a drink, a green drink every day. So things like that, things that are kind of exploring new things in health uh, activity, are are the punishments. Yeah. Okay. So no, no shame activities, but. Um... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. So definitely making them concrete, measurable. We all know we need measurable goals um, to stick with and then, you know, creating those rules and then having that accountability partner as well. Um, That's pretty cool. That's a good way to start the the conversation and and for a lot of people out there listening, a good way to start the new year as well. Yes. So I've got to say I haven't set any resolutions for myself yet, um, but I am sort of... No. How come? Uh, I just haven't really given it the time to think about it uh, as such because I've just made this move and probably an excuse maybe, but I've just sort of, I'm waiting until I settle into a, a new house 
And then once I do that, then I'll be, you know, get back into routine. I find when I disrupt my routine, it's really hard to stick to any sort of new, new resolution or goal. Yeah, by the way, that's, uh, that's very, very true, that um, uh, routine really helps, hmm. right? And routine helps because uh, there are triggers for good behavior. Yeah. And, you know, as somebody who spends uh, most of the year traveling, it's really tough. Hmm. It's tough because, you know, there's late night flights and there is depletion and then there's lots of uh, the temptation of junk food. Or at least unhealthy food is everywhere, so it is it is much tougher. Convenience thing, yeah. So that's uh, that's my thoughts, but I, I think um, you know everyone needs to you know really look at goals in their lives, and, and that can be weekly, monthly, yearly, um, you know, however long you want to set them for. I think shorter goals are you generally work better, in my opinion. But um, what are your thoughts? I mean, the length of the goal should it be a year goal or should it be longer? Can you have a five year goal? So. So having a five-year goal uh, is fine as long as you can see progress. Uh-huh. Um, and the progress needs to be on something that is achievable and measurable and also failure. Hmm. Right, so, so I don't think that the daily goals are good necessarily as, as a final thing, but, but you certainly want to see that there is daily progress. Yeah. Um, so so I, think, I think basically saying... You know, if you look at weight, yeah. weight takes a really long time to lose, hmm. right? So you don't want to have um, a six-month goal. You have, you want to have a, a three, a three-year goal, uh, but then you want to make sure that in the short term you have something that you can measure and feel proud of or disappointed about and revisit hmm. on the on the shorter on the shorter horizon. And one of the one of the elements is the question of whether. You have a lot of control over the outcome or just the process. Yeah. So uh, th- there are some some things like weight that you know you can go on a diet for three days and nothing good will happen. You'll step on the scale and your weight would go up. Yeah. Just because how the body fights you back, you know, you drank a little bit too much, you ate a little bit more salt, whatever it is, and when there's a lot of fluctuations in the outcome. Uh, what you want to do is to reward yourself based on whether you're adhering to the process or not, uh-huh. but not so you don't want to think about the outcomes. Have I lost weight? Weight is a good long-term goal, not a short-term goal. Um, a good short-term health-related is, for example, avoiding cookies for a week. Yeah. Okay, so you can really you can yeah different ways to measure that whether it's the 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 outcome or the process that you're measuring. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So as as you move toward things that are more um, random and varied, then you want to reward more the process and less, less the outcome. Uh-huh. Okay. That makes sense. And what about motivation? Now, I know a lot of your work is, is around motivation, um, the hidden motivation behind everything that we do, perhaps. And I, I did love your book, Payoff. Um and this is this is a topic that I'm very uh, excited about and, and passionate about myself because I, the, the the name of the show is called the hidden why and really that comes down to, for me to the hidden motivation um, behind all of us what drives us in life and what pushes us forward. Um, now we can talk about this probably in a little bit more depth, but as far as goal setting goes, what 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 do we need to know about this motivation to help us achieve and and you know 
feel satisfied that we're, uh, you know, achieving what we set out to do. Yeah. So there's a there's a very important um, term in social psychology uh, called implementation intentions. And implementation intention is all about the idea that if you have general intentions that you haven't made concrete, the odds that they will work out is incredibly low. Okay. And there's, a, there's one study I really love. It's a study where they take half the people and give them a lecture about the importance of getting vaccinations. Yep. And 3% of the people go to get the vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And the second group is getting the same exact lecture, but they're also asked to take their calendars out and to write out when they're going to go. Yep. And now 26% of the people go. Mm-hmm. So the difference between 3% and 26% has nothing to do with preferences, has nothing to do with desires. It has to do with whether you made the intention concrete and specific. Okay. And I think that's what that's one of the things we we do very badly is that we have these very general intentions but but we don't make them specific so imagine i i i asked you for to do something right now yep you know and and you have all the intention in the world if you don't make a real action plan yep you're very unlikely to follow it so that's that's one tremendously important lesson is to think about how are we going to take things and make them make them concrete? So if, if we go back to that example of health and we just start our new year saying, I just really want to have good health this year and be in better shape, uh, that's really a vague intention, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So we want to make it more but, specific. That's right. Specific and things we can control. So, so if you say, I, I want to make it specific by saying, I want to lose um, five pounds, that's not under your control. Yeah. If you say I'm going to stop eating cookies, that's exactly under your control. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think yeah, that's that's. And then and then if you'll say I'm going to do it three times a week, or I'm going to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. I'm going to put in my calendar. All of those things hmm. really work. So really, what's in your control? What you can measure? And do you track it as well? Do you have like some sort of calendar or or board that you track it with? So, so I, uh, on the exercise, on, on a weekly basis, I kind of remember, yep. but, but that's exactly the thing you, you want to do. You want to uh, uh, keep track because otherwise we fool ourselves. Yeah. We fool ourselves into believing that we've actually done the things that we said we do, yeah. right? It's not, it's not about cheating other people. It's about cheating ourselves. Uh-huh. I, um, I often wonder about that, and I, I probably... Uh, the worst person to ask as far as it comes to tracking because I sort of do believe that I can, you know, remember uh, where I've been and where I'm up to uh, in day to day life or, or whatever goals that I'm setting out to achieve. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like I do fool myself and, and pretend that perhaps, um, you know, I'm further along where I should be um, because I don't have that, that tracking board to refer to. Uh, and sometimes I then use that as an excuse as well uh, not to do something. So it certainly is something that I've got to improve on myself. Yeah, we. Um, this is a very different uh, domain, but um, we we have um, actually uh, maybe I'll tell you about this. We yeah. we recently created a a scale with no display, right? Like a bathroom scale with no display. Yeah. And and here's the logic. Uh, my my partner in this, uh, Nati, uh, he took a scale into Starbucks 
and try to get people to step on the scale. Yeah. And people just refused, right? People just refused to step on the scale. They didn't want to know. Yeah. And then when he finally got them to, to step on the scale, some of them, not all of them, uh, he found out that almost all of them lied. All of, all of them were surprised by how much they, they were weighing, right? They were basically kind of cheating themselves. So what, they couldn't see if, the, this, the, the display? <clears throat> No, no, this was, this was the original. This was the regular scale. Okay, right, sorry. Right? And, and, and what he found was that people were just afraid uh, of, of standing on the scale. They just didn't like it. Makes sense, yeah. Um, <laughs> so then he said, okay, people just don't like it. And then we started thinking about, okay, let's, let's create a new scale. And we said, okay, what do we know about the scale? We know it's good to, st- to stand up on the scale. It's good to stand up on the scale every day. It's good to step up in the morning, not so much in the evening. And the reason for that is that when people step on the scale, they remind themselves that they want to be healthy, yeah. right? So that's that's a useful thing. Yeah. And then the second thing is, do you know the term loss aversion? No, uh, no. explain that for us. Loss aversion is the idea that losses are more painful than equivalent gains make us happy. Uh-huh. So if one day you lose $1,000, that's a really miserable day. Yeah. If on another day you win a thousand dollars, that's a happy day, but it doesn't make up for it. From a misery perspective, you would need to make two thousand dollars to make up for it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so in weight, it's of course the opposite, right? A day you gain a kilo or a pound is really miserable. A day you lose a kilo is happy, but it doesn't make up for it. And because weight fluctuates a lot. It's often uh, bad news, right? Imagine somebody who doesn't change their weight, uh, but it goes up and down, up and down. Um, uh, the, the overall experience is unpleasant. Hmm. And the third thing we know about weight, so it's good to step on a scale every day. Gain aversion is bad. And we also know that people expect the body to react very quickly. So people think that after a day or two of a diet, That'll their weight feet. should change. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, in fact, it can take a, a ten days to to a week. So, um, so with that, what we did was we created a scale with no display, and the scale uh, shows just tell people congratulations, you stood up on the scale, you've done your job. Yeah. And then in an app, we report to people back their weight, but uh, we report it on a five point scale. Um, if it's a running average of the last three weeks, but in a five-point scale. So we say you're just the same. Yep. Nothing happens. You're within one sun deviation. Slightly better, slightly worse, much better, much worse. Yeah. That's basically it. And in reality, that's all all we can talk about. That's all we can we can we can do because you know information in my view is not about historical accuracy. Hmm. It's about um, the relationship between cause and effect. Yeah. What have you done to yourself, and what are the outcomes? And if and if we're getting, uh, and if you think about the relationship between how you eat and what your weight is, there's not much to say. Hmm. Um, uh, more than a five-point scale in terms of this. And so this is the theory, and we just we just tried it out. So we went to a call center. These were basically relatively obese, <clears throat> relatively uh, low-income people, mm-hmm. and 
we basically um, gave a third of them, slightly less than a third, the regular scale. And those people gain about 0.3% of their body weight every month for five months. Okay. The study lasted five months. Yep. And then two-thirds got our scale, and they lost about 0.7% of their body weight. So the first group mm. gained, and our group lost 0.7% of their body weight every month for five months. Wow. And, and I think, it, for me, it's just, it's just a beautiful result, right? It says, let's take the social science lens and let's look at our ordinary life. Yeah. You say, the bathroom scale was invented a long time ago. It, it, it was a thick needle, right, that you couldn't see small differences. Then we got the digital scale. We replaced the analog with the digital number. We created high precision. But have we necessarily done the right thing? Hmm. No. And when you look at it from a social science perspective, you could say, now we have new flexibility. We didn't have in the mechanical scale. Uh, we can separate the action, stepping on it from the display. And we can decide the display not to show what you weigh right now, but where you're running, yeah. uh, where you're headed. Uh, by the way, in our scale, if a woman is on her menstrual cycle and she gained a kilo because of that, we don't tell her that she gained the kilo. And because, you know, again, it's true that she's a kilo heavier, but it doesn't help her understand the relationship between her actions and the outcome. Mm. It's just a little bit more water retention, right? So what, what is the goal? So, so is it making the feedback a lot less harsh or more easy to accept and understand? That's right. More compatible, right? The, yeah. uh, people do very badly with, with feedback that is random and stochastic yeah. and fluctu fluctuating. Yeah. And we are asked the question of what feedback uh, would be compatible with what would help people understand the relationship between their actions and what happened to their bodies. Yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, the negative and positive thing, like I, I have a good example. Um, last year, was it last year or the year before? Uh, when I started to go to the gym and, I, you know, I, I felt that I wasn't improving fast enough and I started to sort of beat myself up that I wasn't achieving the goals that I wanted to achieve um, and I started feeling a bit down for myself and my motivation uh, decreased with that and I was quite aware of that, um, which is a good thing. Um, but then I went to the gym one day and I walked in there and the gym, the, the owner, the trainer, he commented on how uh, much I've improved and how good I was looking and I, that just boost of positive feedback um, just change my perspective a little bit to go okay hang on it's not as bad as I make it out to be and again that's just the type of feedback that I was giving myself I guess so um how yeah. do we how do we use you know the negative uh feedback of whatever we're trying to achieve in a more positive and compatible way yeah so so first of all there's a question of how do we get no feedback to be positive feedback right so when when you talk about your experience with the gym it wasn't that you were exercising and getting worse it's just that you were not getting better in a, in a fast enough pace yeah right and this is why in our scale so you could we we chose a five-point scale you could imagine a four-point scale yeah that we would never tell you success nothing bad is happening Right. So, so the first issue is how do you define success? Uh -huh. And I think that in many things in health, we need to redefine success, including nothing bad is happening. Right. It's it's successful in weight. It's successful in this. The second thing is we need to uh, align people's expectations. You know. Right. When you start exercising, you should expect 
no improvement. Just because we have the wrong theory doesn't mean that we should judge ourselves based on that theory. Yeah. And, and by the way, people with high body mass index, high BMI, they have a much harder time starting to lose weight. So how, so how, how, do, expect- we, how do we set then realistic expectations based on, I mean, is that just self-awareness and, and knowing what realistically you can achieve? Or do you have, I, I guess it depends. No, on I, think, I, think, I, th- yeah, I think we want to change the scale, right? So I, I think we want to, to change the feedback scale. Uh-huh. So, so imagine that you step on this scale and instead of the scales telling you you're 172.5 uh, pounds, it says you're exactly on track to achieve your goals. Right. Right? In three years. You're doing exactly the right thing. So, you know, in, in dieting specifically, lots of diets start with three days of juicing. And it's nonsense. Yeah. And it doesn't help and it doesn't sustain. But it gives people the sense that they've made progress because they can step on day four and, and feel that something has happened. That I've lost. But yeah, it's a I'm, bad idea. Yeah, okay. It's bad. So instead, what we want to think about is what information do we want to present to people uh-huh. that is compatible? And I think that's very important. Because that compatible information obviously continues our motivation to continue with the process. That's, that's right. So what if, if you know we have that negative feedback then? Like if I jump on the scale and I, I'm not on track... Um, you know, is it about going, hey, you're not on track and do something about it or like? Yeah. So so there's a couple of couple of uh, types of, of negative feedback. There's the type of negative feedback that you deserve. Yeah. Right. It's uh, after New Year and Christmas and, you know, you step on the scale and it says, you know, it shows, you know, you've you've been eating a lot and it shows. And that's the kind of bad feedback that people should get and people should take it into account and feel bad. That's what I need right, right because, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not a bad thing. What what you don't want is you don't want a day of exercising followed by uh, uh, weighing yourself the next day and, and feeling that you've gone that you've gone up. But I'll tell you one other thing that I'm really concerned with, with in terms of negative feedback, and that's trying new things. So in general, mm-hmm. I think that most people are in a rut. Uh, most of us read the same books and uh, watch the same movies and go to the same restaurants and have the same sexual positions. And, you know, yep. we don't vary our lives that much. Okay. And and one of the reasons for that is loss aversion. Mm-hmm. Imagine that there are three restaurants in town that you like. If you go to them, you know what you can expect. If you go to a different restaurant, you don't know what to expect. It could be great, but it could be disappointing. So you say, you say to yourself, uh, let me just do the safe thing. I don't want to take a risk. Yeah. But, but the life without risk is, is really not worth living. Um, do you know what's called the Samuelson's paradox? The what, sorry? Samuelson. So Samuelson was a very famous Samuelson. economist, Samuelson, at, at MIT. And he came to one of his friends and he said, look, I have a coin here. <clears throat> if I flip it and it will be head... I'll give you $150. Yep. And if I flip it and it will be tail, you'll give me $100. And he said, do you want to play this game? And his friend said no. But he said, if you play with me a thousand times, I would love to play it. Now, here is the thing. What Samuelson's friend told him was that on any particular day, 
he doesn't want to play this, but if he had a chance to play it a thousand days for three years, he would love to play it. Yep. So, so think about the, the, the paradox. You come to somebody every day and you say, do you want to play this game? And every day they say no. You come and you say, do you want to play this every day for three years? And they say yes. Hmm. Right? And, and that's the thing about risk is many times we think about risk one day at a time. And when we think about risk one day at a time, we often don't want to take the risk. But when we think about it as a way to think about our life in general, then we, we do want to take the risk and we do see the benefit of it. Right. Okay. I'm just digesting that. So don't, don't look at things as a, a one-off. Like this is the only chance that I'm going to get. That's right. Um, and in many, many things in life, you, you want to just uh, experiment and try. And, and this is where the failure is particularly painful. And this is the place where you want to reframe failure as success. Hmm. So let's say there are three restaurants that you love. You know you've eaten every dish. You know what you like and you don't like. Then there's a new restaurant for some food you never heard about. Now, there's a chance that it will be amazing. There's a chance you'll say, what an awful meal. Yep. The question is, and if you're afraid of risk, you will never go there. Mm. And you might never learn there's something great. Yep. Um, and, and the chance there is to say, how do you reframe going to a new restaurant, trying something you've never tried before, and even if you end up hating it, you celebrate the learning. Mm. And, and that's when you said, how do we get people to not be driven by failure, I think that's one of the important ones, is how do we evaluate the fact that we've learned something new? Yeah. And you say, you know, I've gone to a pottery class, I learned I really hate pottery, but now I know I really hate pottery and I'm better off for it. Yeah. So that's really, yeah, just is looking at, at failure in a different perspective. Um, and I absolutely agree. I think uh, as a society, um, just the term failure is is so wrought with you know being scary and uncertain, and uh, many people will avoid that. Um, and and as far as routine and and doing the same thing over and over again, I've been re- recently thinking about this. As far as it makes us really complacent in life, is that is that a fair thought? Absolutely. Uh, basically, it's an uninteresting life. Yeah, um, I find, and this is perhaps just maybe a self issue that I have to continually push myself into new areas and it's quite frustrating for my wife uh, because every few years I'm reshaping my life I'm going out there and doing something totally different um, which can be a little bit of a concern sometimes I think maybe it's not a good thing because I don't get to level up in that one field as greatly as perhaps I could Um, but a lot of instances I think it's a good thing for my life because it makes everything fresh and new all the time and and really puts me into that uncomfortable uncertain zone which I think is is beneficial for my own mental health what are your thoughts it is (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting balancing act, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you should also think to yourself about to what extent are you experimenting with the big things and with the small things. So we, we just uh, so so think about I don't know spending money. Yeah. If I would give you another forty Australian dollars, and I would say, what is the best way you have this month? You have another forty dollars to spend. What is the? How would you spend it? Hmm. Uh, that's a question. Right? Yep. That's a question. Yep. 
What comes to mind? Ah, uh, I mean, immediately I'd say another book or something like that. Um, How would you spend it in a way that would maximize your happiness? Maximize my happiness. I'd probably get some sort of perhaps health test um, to help me understand what my level of internal health is at the moment. Okay, so maybe maybe that's a good maybe that's a good thing, but. Uh, my guess is that your quality of life will increase the most if you bought your wife flowers. Uh, <laughs> no, probably not, actually. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't like, like me spending money on flowers and unnecessary things, but, um, yeah, that is a unique situation. Um, so, you know, uh, buy her a pot. Uh, you know, uh, but but the, the thing is, uh, there's a couple of things, right? One of them is that it turns out that um, uh, giving to others makes us often happier than buying things for ourselves. Yep. So even if you thought about this health test and you got it for your wife, <clears throat> it might be better off. And but but the second thing is that um, you know we we don't invest enough in relationships. Yeah, yeah, right. And and the investment in relationship is is really very very powerful. Uh, there's some results showing that the afterglow of sexual relationship lasts 50 hours. Yeah. Right, so so everything that you do that would maximize your probability of having sex is going to have long-term payoffs for 50 hours, probably longer than you than you imagine. Hmm. But but the point the point is that you know you could experiment by moving for continents, but you could also experiment by just doing small things, like <clears throat> saying um, let's let's buy my wife flowers or. Uh, let's let's try to uh, get a bottle of wine and go to the beach or. Let's go to. Let's find the cheapest restaurant in town, hmm. and and or let's let's uh, you know what whatever it is, we, we don't experiment enough with simple things. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not just talking about you know moving to Japan to from Japan to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but experimenting with with little cheap things that could improve the quality of your life. Hmm. And that's something I think we could do daily. Is is, is think about you know what. I guess, how can we invest our resources that we have available today that's going to help that growth process, help the relationships, help, you know, making me feel more joy? Yeah, and, and that's, that's exactly what, what we all need to do. And, you know, some, hmm. some of social science has clues about what to do, about what, what brings people uh, bigger happiness. Yeah. So, for example, one of the findings is that we end up being happier than we expect by giving things to other people. Yeah. Right. That's that's just uh, uh, we we think to ourselves that the best thing to do is to buy ourselves something. Yeah. But we're actually happier if we buy something for somebody else. So. And that's that's so just taking once, yeah you know, taking the thought away from self towards other, which um, you know Buddhist yeah. studies obviously um, you know talk about that quite a bit. Just, just on that note, because I'm just going back to my thought of you know improving my health, and uh, a lot of the things I often do, and I, and I struggle with this thought, is you know sometimes I feel like it's very selfish, um, and sometimes I have to you know pull myself away from that thought because I also think it's sometimes beneficial to be selfish. But again, it's it's a hard balance, like, and it's a hard thing to sort of define and analyze um, that that awareness yourself. What are your thoughts on that? Like, as far as you know, how much investment do you put in yourself before it's it's too much or selfish, or you know, what is good investment in in, in yourself? Yeah, that's that's a very that's a very tough one. I don't know what is the right mixture, yeah. and I, I'm also not sure that it's. I'm also not sure that it, there's a, there's a number there, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, I used to think that exercising is self-indulgent, right? That I have so many emails and so many people to respond to and students and so on. And how could I justify, Spending you know, two hours on yourself? Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm a little bit better about that. That now um, sleep is still difficult, hmm. right? How how can you sleep, you know, seven uh, hours a night when there's so much? things to do it's it's not easy to figure out what is the right what is the right ratio and and right. um it's it's more complicated than that because you have um kind of let's say selfish things like that are just good for you like sleeping and, and exercising there's spending time with loved ones there's uh, helping people you don't know i mean there's there's a, there's a lot of opportunities and kind of finding out the right the right mixture is very, very difficult. Do you think, again, if we look at that investment, so if we go, well, what's the investment of this resource? So whether that be time, money, uh, whatever that resource might be that we're using, and if we invest that in ourselves, if the outcome actually not only helps us but helps others, then perhaps that's a a better investment. And I I sort of think sleep, for me, is important and health is important, and mainly it does help others because the relationships in my life are improved because my mood is better, you know, my attitude, my perspectives are better. Uh, and I know when I'm depleted, um, as it, when it comes to personal health, um, that that yeah, my moods do change, and I'm not as nice to be around, perhaps. Um, so certainly, that's yeah. that's one way I sometimes look at you know those investments, and yeah, again, it's it's a hard hard certainly, thing to balance. Yeah, and you can certainly say those things to yourself, and uh, there are certainly cases where you could make you could make the case for this, but I'm not sure you want to make it as a as a principle for decisions, because what happened if it's not the case? Yeah. Right. So I, I remember I I had a very interesting dinner with a guy who was the 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 CEO of Timberland. It's a clothing company. Ah yes, yeah. And and he told me about uh, how they're going green, and they're trying. They were taking their factories offline, and they were doing all kinds of things to go green. Yep. And he said he couldn't find any evidence that customers cared financially about that mm-hmm. and that it and that it paid off. Now, if you basically said, you know, uh, I, I do this, I, I, um, I'm green and customers are willing to pay for it, it's win-win, that's great. But what if it's not win-win? And, and what, Jeff, what Jeff said was that, he said he doesn't care. He said he has shareholders, right? And he's supposed to make his shareholder happy. But he said he is driven by different functions and he feels that he needs to leave his kids the world in a better way than he found it. Yeah. And he said it, it would have been nice uh, to find that uh, his customers are willing to pay more for things that are green. But he said even if they're not it doesn't give him the justification to not do it. Right. So when you think about your own lives, your own life, and you say, oh, I, I find things that are both maximizing my happiness and other people's, that's great. Yeah. But if it doesn't do both, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right, yeah. Well, that's so, a position of, you know, moral ethics and, and values, I suppose, you know, and, and, you know, how do you want to live? Yeah, I guess, how do you want to live your life that's, you know, even if it doesn't, sit well with some other people in your life or with everyone, um, then you should still, you know, align yourself with that and, and not sort of alter your paths just because it's not a win-win. 
Yeah. Uh, interesting thoughts, Dan. I really enjoyed it so far, the conversation. I want to just quickly mention your newest book. You've got a book called Dollars and Cents, How We Misthink Money and How to Spend Smarter. I hope I've got that title correct. So that's just been released, I believe, is it? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so just give us a little bit of a, a blurb. What, what is that book about and, and what do you hope the readers will uh, benefit from by reading it? So so that that book is about the psychology of money. Yeah. And money is one of those really fascinating topics that, you know, we use money so many times a day and we often think that we understand money and we know how to use it. But, but the reality is that we don't, that there's so many things in, about money that we just don't understand. And um, if we only understood money in a better way, we could, we could make better decisions. And, mm-hmm. and I have two hopes, I would say. The, the first one, the more concrete one, is I hope people would just get a, a mirror to reflect back on some of the mistakes that we make and rethink some of their own financial decisions. That's, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is to just uh, wonder about the world, right? The world is an amazing, amazing place. Uh, we invent amazing new technology. Some of it has to do with how we deal our, with our financial lives. And I think that thinking about money, like thinking about many other things, is, is a great way to reflect about life, is to reflect about what we understand about ourselves, what we don't understand about ourselves, uh, where do we go wrong? Uh, so all that, all that is really interesting. Mm, absolutely. So it's sort of, I mean, there's so many books written about money, and I just wrote an article about one book I read, and it was a good book, and, and there was some learnings in it for sure, but I feel that there's all these how-to books on, on how to, you know, make more money and, and you know, be rich, I guess. Um, yeah. But I feel that... This is not... This is not a book that makes you it's, it's uh, not feel a- <laughs> good about yourself. Okay. It, it's not a good that makes you f- a book that makes you feel good about yourself or tells you how to make money. In fact, it's probably a book that would uh, show you more how you're losing money without really uh, realizing and how we're mismanaging our resources. And you but know, that's probably a good in, thing. And, in the you know, yes, it shows you all the negatives, perhaps, but then that will then make us reflect on our lives, like you said to say, well, I'm not really doing this the most effective way or most smartly, and, and this is perhaps, you know, how I could better do it um, by not doing that's, some of those things that we, you know, waste resources on. That's right. That's, and that's, that's really the hope. The yeah. hope is that uh, we would all get to think a little bit more about uh, what we're doing and uh, how, how to do it in a, in, a better, in a better way. And if we could do that, that's great. So what are one or, one or two insights from the book maybe you could share uh, with the audience um, techniques or something like that that can help us sort of with, with okay. spending money smarter? So, so, so I'll give you a couple of examples. One is something called the pain of paying. And the pain of paying is the difference that we feel when we pay attention to the money we spend to when we don't. So think, for example, about the difference between um, spending, uh, buying dinner with credit card versus with cash, Yeah. right? Cash is much, much tougher. People uh, uh, don't enjoy it as much. They don't spend as much on, on dinner. Uh, with, with credit card, we spend, we spend much more. Yeah. So, so once you understand that, now you can say, and how do I want to how do I want to spend? Do I want to spend based on 
uh, with a credit card or do I want to spend uh, with, with, with cash? And you can think very carefully about which one of those um, is, better, is better for you. So that's, that's a, simple, a simple example. Um, and for you personally, is it cash or is it card? So, so I actually found the, the middle ground, and what I do is I, okay, so I try to think about my discretionary spending. So th- there's, there's spending that is discretionary, you know, coffee, dinner, uh, stuff like that that I don't have to do, but I can do, and I get some joy from it. Yeah. And I give myself um, a budget, Mm-hmm. And I do it on a weekly basis. I don't do it on a monthly basis. I do it on a weekly basis. And the reason is that a monthly basis, if you have it on a monthly basis, you run out uh, very, 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 very quickly. Yeah. So what you want to do is to do it on a, on a weekly basis. <clears throat> so I do it on a weekly basis. I start, I start the week on... Monday, not on Friday, because if you start the week and on the week on Friday, you end up finishing the week Absolutely, way yeah. too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then what I do is I I have it on the prepaid card, and every morning it tells me uh, what's my budget. Yeah. Right, and that's and that's a very healthy that's a very healthy process because it tells me where I am where I am in it. That's, and it's going back to that, you know, having that measurement, that, that scale so you can measure what you're doing and where we started the conversation off. Um, I found it fascinating. In, in Japan, predominantly, they still use only cash for all their purchases. They're not really big on, you know, card purchases. And um, I actually found that more beneficial as far as it came to spending money and, and saving money. Uh, whereas it's card here in Australia, it's so easy to just go out there and swipe the card without actually thinking, you know, what you're, what you're buying, what you're spending it on. Yeah, Australia is particularly uh, bad because you have this uh, waving thing. How how do you call it? Uh, pay, pay wave. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's convenience over thoughtfulness, yeah. right? If you want yeah. to design a system that would get people to uh, think less and spend more, it would certainly be around uh, getting people to wave wave things like that more yeah. more frequently and not not think very carefully mm. yeah and that's how a lot of the new technologies have, have been developed i think to help us with that consumption yeah okay good good one so the pain of paying what what is another one maybe just one more technique so so we talked about the pain of paying we talked about budgeting we said put your discretionary uh, spending on a on a prepaid card have it for a week yeah um, and so on Another one is to have something we call a goal and an anti-goal. So, you know, the beautiful thing about money is that it's about opportunity cost. That every time you don't spend money, you, you, you get it, you know, you get, you get something else. But it's very hard to think about what you're getting, hmm. right? So what, what exactly would you get if you don't spend this amount of money on a, on a bicycle, right? Um, so an anti-goal means that you take money and you link it with something else. So you take, you take uh, your account and you say, this is an account for, um, let's say, supermarket and going out at the same time. And what I'll do is I link them together. And if one of them I'm spending too much on, I'll spend less on the other one. Okay. Right. So, so what that 
what that creates is that you basically are balancing those two things against each other. Yeah. And it turns out that that's a very good strategy. You don't think about the full opportunity cost, but you think about some of the opportunity cost, but you think about it in a very concrete way. Hmm. I like that. Sorry, I'm just taking note. Uh, yeah, no, it's a really, really good way to think about it. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, it brings it to the awareness, doesn't it, of, of how, again, you're spending that money and, and what that could mean um, in another aspect of your life if you if you continue exactly. to spend in that in that manner uh, without, exactly. and in without some killing ways, the joy of it. <laughs> that's right. And in some ways, it's it's irrational because, you know, it's just one thing that you could use your money on. It's not all the things that you could use your money on, but it makes it concrete and therefore, you can think about it and feel it in a, in a much better way. Yeah. Mate, it sounds like a good read. I'm looking forward to reading myself. Um, and I certainly want to pick up a couple of the other books. You've written a bunch of different books and a lot of articles um, around social uh, economics and, and psychology. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your time. I've got some questions, Dan, that I will ask all guests uh, that come on the show. Um, and they're sort of quick round okay. questions, I suppose. So I'm just going to start with the first one, uh, which is... Do you have a particular routine or ritual that you believe contributes to your success? Uh, first thing in the morning when I'm in the office, I make myself an espresso. I sit next to my desk and I start working on something that I really want to make progress on. No email, no Facebook, no no other things, but something something I really want to get get going on. Yeah. Good strategy. Uh, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Uh, I would say uh, take more risks and explore more areas and realize that uh, foundations of uh, education uh, is is very hard to, to recreate. So I, I would... I would spend more time um, on education early day, in early days. Okay. How would you define success? What does success look like to you? I would say success is a, is a feeling of contribution and progress. Nice answer. What is a skill, a particular skill, tool, resource, or even technique that has helped improve your overall effectiveness and or productivity? Um, <clears throat> tool or skills? So I would say, uh, in my case, I think good understanding of statistics has been very useful. And I think good understanding in statistics, in my case, helped me in advance think about studies that I really want to, to do. Uh, it helps me interpret the results. So it makes lots of things very efficient. Okay. Yeah, that's a good answer. What advice would you give someone that is looking to make some change in their life? Some change in their lives. Um, I would say, uh, think about how you would measure 
whether this change is going to be effective and think about whether whether you could test it in a small way before you take too much risk and then uh, and then do that so for example if you think that a new job would make you happy uh, think about volunteering in some place uh, for three weeks to see if it indeed would make you happy yeah yeah uh, so so test test things out think about what what it is how would you measure success and can you can you uh, test it out yeah cool if I could serve you a meal right now what would you wish for what would I wish for um It, it would have to be something that I would want to remember for a long time, right? Um, so ideally, it would be a cuisine that I've never tried before. Uh, it would be multiple small dishes rather than one large one because that creates more variety. <clears throat> and it would probably involve things like um, fruit that I've never tried before. Yeah. So I would want something exotic with high variety. Nice answer. I think that's probably the best answer. I've sort of reshaped that question, but uh, yeah, I really like that. What activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? So, so I think it's about uh, <clears throat> being able to look at a task or, or at, a, at some some project in a new way. So I think basically uh, applied applied creativity, uh, just kind of being able to use the tools that I have in a new in a new way, give me tremendous joy. Yeah. Okay. If you could pick one book that you would pass down to your children, you have children, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. If you could pick one book out of all the books you've read in your life, what book would you pass on? So, um, probably the Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy. Uh-huh. Uh, not uh, not the you know the most uh, necessarily the most inspiring book, but I think it's unbelievably well written. I think it's um, it's it's clever. Uh, the writing is interesting. <clears throat> I think it shows deep things about humanity. Uh, so. So that would be my choice. It's a good one. So I'll stick that in the show notes, guys, for you listening out there today. And I'll stick all Dan's books in there as well so you can use the links in the show notes for this episode and pick yourself up a few copies. What quote or phrase would you write on your fridge? On my fridge? Um, so probably I, I, I don't remember the exact thing, but it would be there was some phrase about the fact that the world moves forward due to unreasonable men. Hmm. That the people who are trying to be well-reasoned uh, often don't contribute enough to society. And it's the unreasonable people who basically gets things to move forward. Very interesting. I like that one. Do you believe we all have a 
hidden why or a why or, or a deeper purpose? I don't think we all have it. I think we all could have it. Yeah. I think it's yeah. it's not we're not born with something, uh, but it's it's really a question of are we interested in in finding out. Uh, something like this and if we are then I think all of us have have the capacity but I don't think we're born with it we can yeah. just decide to do it or not okay what does living life with passion and purpose mean to you it means carefully trying to rebalance and often make mistakes in how we uh, think about our own Benefit versus the benefit of others. Okay. okay. And my final question is, and this is sort of a hard question to answer, I suppose, but um, what do you believe the fundamental motivation is that drives all your actions? <clears throat> so, so I think it's. It's karma, and you know what? What I like about the definition of karma is that karma is this notion of what goes around comes around, mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily deterministic. It's probabilistic. It's basically say you do what what you can to make the world a better place, and it would it might work out, it might not work out, uh, but you you take care of what you can control. And the world might reward you at some point back somehow. Yeah. And and what I like about this is that it's kind of you. You get to control what what you can, uh, and then hope that it will work out well. I like the answer. I like all your answers, Dan. Today, how can people best find you, reach out to you, connect with you? <clears throat> so my website is dan at danarielli.com. That's the easiest way. Yep. Okay. I'll stick that in the show notes, guys, as well. So check it out. Uh, thank Dan for coming on the show, asking any questions that you might want to follow up with. And Dan, once again, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've really looked forward to this conversation for some time now. So uh, it's been great to have you on, and I've, I've taken up an hour of your time. So I appreciate that. My pleasure, and looking forward to next time. All right, guys, check it all out at thehiddenwhy.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.